I want to read from God's Word. We're in this series. We're working through our, our, just our, our priorities. We're coming near the end of, of this teaching series on God's presence. We're not coming near the end of God's presence. I hope that's just ramping up. Um, but we're coming near the, the end of this teaching series on God's presence. And tonight, I want to bring us into Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read the first 11 verses as the apostle Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as I read this, I want to say, as I was praying before coming down tonight, I I just felt God say to me the word shipwrecked. And I don't want to try and interpret that. But if that means something to you, I want you to know that Jesus is rescuer, restorer, and redeemer. And if that word shipwrecked means something to you, resonates with you, there's people who would love to pray with you afterwards. Um, Okay. Listen now for the word of God. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit. Sorry, it's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach Your Word tonight with this crazy, audacious belief that that these are your words, that this is your word, and that when we read it, we hear your voice. That you want to speak to us. You want to invite us to know you. And to step into a, a love relationship where we are restored and remade and perfected into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Guard us from over-familiarity with that concept. Because we don't come tonight to learn about concepts. We come tonight to meet 
with you, Lord. So come by your Spirit and speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is hectic. If I get lost with this, I'm going to have to adjust it. We'll see how it goes. I want to start talking tonight about a pretty epic parenting fail that we had. You know, it's a good place to start in your own vulnerability and humanity. Um, we have three kids, you know, two girls. If you were out this morning, you saw the two girls get birthday booth bookmarks, and you heard our son just, you know, commenting on the service. He, he does that from time to time. Uh, we have three great kids. But a couple of years ago, uh, at Christmas time, we had a pretty epic parenting fail. Because Archie, our son, that year for Christmas, Santa brought him this big roll-out-on-the-floor walk-on keyboard. Any of you seen the kind of thing I'm talking about? And you kind of up and down it like this here. Pete, you would love it, so you would. <laughs> It'd be great. But Santa brought Archie this keyboard that you roll out, walk on the floor. But Santa, and I want to say that very carefully, Santa didn't bring batteries. Pretty epic fail, wasn't it? Yeah, disaster, disaster. So when we woke up on Christmas morning and the girls were playing with their toys, Archie had a piece of plastic to walk on. <laughs> Which wasn't ideal, let's be honest. And, and, and so Dad, who is also minister, who was planning for the Christmas morning service in a couple of hours' time, was out driving about Balamoney, which is not like Belfast. There are not shops open on Christmas morning trying to find somewhere that had batteries. Um, you'll be relieved to hear I got sorted out. Uh, and Archie had his keyboard, and by Christmas lunch, we were wishing we'd left the batteries in the shop. But that's a different story. Archie was faced with a Christmas toy that had no power. And with no power, it was rendered next to useless. And tonight, as we come to look at this text, I want to say categorically, the Holy Spirit is the power in Christianity. The Holy Spirit is what makes it come alive, what makes it real, what, what, what impacts and changes lives. It's Him. It's Him. I want to go even further, and you can come and ch chat about this with me afterwards if you want, but I want to go even further, and I, I want to say you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And we'll unpack that a little bit. So we will. But the Holy Spirit is the power source. And that's why I'm so excited to be in this series on the presence of God as we think about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit tonight in, in our talk. John Mark Comer is a, a Christian minister. He's planted a church in Oregon. He's written several books. He was over here speaking earlier this year in Northern Ireland fantastic guy. Check out his podcast. Um, but the church he's planted, he, ha he has developed it around three principles. We, we have four principles that we are, are prioritizing. He has three principles. And he articulates it as, this is God's invitation to us as his people. The first one is to be with Jesus. The second one is to become like Jesus. And the third one is to do the things that Jesus does. I'm going to hang tonight's sermon on those three things. 
to be with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And I want to say, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You cannot become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. We, we live in a culture, and you've heard me banging on about this all month, I'm sure. We live in a culture that, that still knows the story of Jesus. You can walk down the street tonight and, and, and bump into somebody and say, have you heard of Jesus? And they go, yeah, 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 he's the, he's the one that was born at Christmas, or uh, he, he's the one who died on the cross, or he's the one who, and, and they'll tell a story that they remember about Jesus with a good Samaritan story or, or some of these ones. Because we still live in a culture that's only two or three generations removed from church. So even if somebody doesn't go to church, I'm pretty sure their granny does. So they know the story of Jesus. And, and, and we live in a culture that still bases our calendar around the life of Jesus. Christmas is a huge festival, whether you're a Christian or not. Easter, our kids get off school at Easter because it's a significant event in our church, in our calendar. We build our calendar, and even non-Christians love to quote Jesus. You know, he's a real good Samaritan. You're the salt of the earth. Ah, an eye for an eye. You hear these things said by people who, who don't darken the door of church at all. They love to quote Jesus. But, but does that mean they're Christians? No. Because just because they know about Jesus, it's different than, than knowing Jesus. Because they can't see him. And the Apostle Paul in our text tonight says really clearly and, and really simply, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. And I love that. That's, that's the earliest Christian creed that we know of. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, this individual man in history who walked on this earth, who we can identify in history as this physical person, is, not was, is, yes, he was crucified, but he's also raised to life again and is alive, reigning in heaven, is Lord. The Greek word kairos, Lord, which is the equivalent of Yahweh in the Old Testament. This person who walked on earth, who died, who rose again, who is alive, is in fact God. Jesus is Lord. And putting the statement together like that isn't just an intellectual concept, it's a heart submission. Because what has happened when you say that, the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes and revealed to you that, that Jesus is the source of life, the source of love, the source of forgiveness, the one who is rescuer and redeemer. And if your life is shipwrecked tonight, He is the one who will bring you home. Jesus is Lord. You cannot say it without the Holy Spirit warming your heart and opening your eyes and letting you see it. We, we love stories of testimony. Ian, your story's class. Thank you for sharing it tonight. David's story this morning was brilliant. We, we love stories of testimony. We get excited about the story about the drug-dealing UFC tattooed pimp. I don't know. Why not? Who became a Christian. And he's now planting churches out in Tanzania. We love those stories, don't we? Of course we do. I have to be honest, though, what impresses me even more is the person who, who grew up around church, who came every Sunday because that's what you do, who sat down in that back corner. 
every single Sunday. And, and they heard the cross preached every Sunday, heard grace preached every Sunday. And then one day, one day during, a, during an unplanned sermon, the Holy Spirit just grabbed hold of their lives and warmed their hearts and let them see this is real. Let them see Jesus is Lord. And we all know people whose testimony sounds like that, and it doesn't sound that exciting, except it's amazing. And when that happens, there's angels throwing parties in heaven because the Holy Spirit has opened someone's heart to see who Jesus is in the most beautiful, wonderful, radical way. Jesus is Lord is the primary work of the Holy Spirit, helping people see who Jesus is. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you know about him, but if I were to ask you, are you a Christian, you would say no or you would hesitate and say, well, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We have a load of people in our culture that, that that's their answer. I, I, I'm not sure. Come, Holy Spirit. And open hearts tonight and let people see Jesus as Lord of their lives. That's my prayer. If you're here tonight and, and there's people in your life, that person that you didn't have the courage to take your phone out to invite to Alpha yet, because you're going to, I know you are. They're not going to become Christians because they go to a cool course. Alpha is a cool course. But that's not what's going to save them. What's going to save them is you praying, Holy Spirit, come and open their hearts and let them see Jesus is Lord. And if you're not praying that prayer for them, please pray that prayer every single day for your loved ones. It's what's going to make the difference between life and death. to be with Jesus. Then secondly, to, to become like Jesus. Um, I, I'm only going to just touch on this for a second tonight. If you want to hear more about it, Gary Ball was preaching last Sunday, knocked it out of the park on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, it, it, it was great. But when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in your life. That's what literally happens. When you ask Jesus into your life to forgive you, his spirit comes and dwells in your life. And, and what he starts to do over time is he imprints the character of Jesus onto your character. We call it the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see it in Jesus' character, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness. You read about it in Galatians chapter 5. Yes, okay. It's always bad when the minister gets the verse wrong, isn't it? But you don't develop those things in your life by trying to be more loving, by trying to be more patient with your kids, trying to try to... That's not what it's about. This is a ministry of grace, not of endurance. God's wrecking me with this at the minute. In John 15, Jesus says, Abide with me and I will abide with you. The way we 
become like Jesus is by spending time with him. Is adopting his practices of, of reading the Bible and praying and solitudes and contemplation. Of, of fellowship and breaking bread together and coming to church and worshiping together. Doing these things that Jesus did to make space in our lives to be with Jesus. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit imprints the character of Jesus onto our character. And we begin to become like Jesus. I'm only recapping that because Gary preached it so well last Sunday. Go and get the podcast and check it out. It's available on our website. Here's where I want to linger tonight for a few minutes. To do what Jesus does. To do what Jesus does. When you read the Bible, when you see what Jesus is doing, when he says to his disciples, come and follow me, and then he commissions them and says, go and make disciples just like I have made you. And have them make disciples and have them make disciples. Jesus' command is to come and to be with him and to become like him and then to do the things that he does. To move in the supernatural, to minister in incredible ways. But for us to do that, we have to understand what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And we have to receive those gifts and we have to be willing to practice those gifts in our own service and our own ministry. Let me say a couple of things clearly. The first one is this. Gifts are not talents. Talents are what you're born with. Johnny Campbell is a talented footballer. That is not his spiritual gift. He made 20 quid later. Is that okay? Talents are something that you have and you develop and you practice and you build within your life. Spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, are when you become a Christian, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He gives you the ability to do new things. I think the travesty is some people go through their lives without ever discovering, identifying, or using what those things are. But He comes into your life and He gives you spiritual gifts because he's the Holy Spirit. It's one of the things he does. I want to say as well that as I read the Scriptures, there is nothing that I can see that suggests that, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped in our day. Now, that's controversial, and, and people have different ideas about it, different opinions on that. But as I read the Scriptures... I don't see anything that says what Jesus did and what the apostles did and what those that came after the apostles did stops. Perhaps people's experience of it has stopped for certain seasons, but there's nothing in the Bible to say it stopped. In actual fact, we see Jesus and the 12 and the 72 and then Paul and then Stephen all practicing spiritual gifts, three generations, boom, boom, boom. There's nothing to suggest it stops. And even my own experience suggests that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are real today. Let me share a couple of things here. Just very literally looking at a few verses in in this passage that we have that are important in our understanding about spiritual gifts. Verses 4 through to 6. 
The gifts of the Holy Spirit reflect the giver. That's the first thing. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in them all and in every one, it is the same God. Do you see the Trinity? Father, Son, Lord, Holy Spirit. Do you see that? The God that we worship is, is one God, but exists in three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's unity and there's diversity. And, and just like that, the gifts of the Holy Spirit reflect the giver. There are lots of different gifts that are used for lots of different things, but they come from one God, one Holy Spirit. So there are different gifts. The next thing I want to show you is in verse 7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Not to some, not to the cool ones, not to the ones who want it. To each one is given a spiritual gift, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. To put it really simply, everyone gets to play. When I was a kid in school, I was, I was kind of short, I was kind of tubby, I wasn't great at sport. When it came to football, I had, you know, one left foot, and the other one didn't even qualify as a left foot. Um, when it came to the kids picking teams, I was always left to last. Gareth, you go in goals. That just means you're rubbish. <laughs> so it does. I didn't get to play. That's not the case with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you who is a Christ follower, who has given your life to Jesus, has a spiritual gift. Simple. And verse 7 goes on to say, why do you have it? For the common good. What's the common good? The common good is invitation and imitation. It's inviting people to come and know Jesus. And it's helping people to become more like Jesus. The common good is, is helping people to to realize that Jesus is real, inviting them to an alpha course or whatever that is, letting them see the integrity of Christ in your own life and helping them and others in church to grow in their faith and to become more and more like Jesus. Let me talk for a minute about supernatural celebrities. I was out for coffee with a guy uh, the other week and we were sitting in the coffee shop. I was sitting with my back to the door. He was sitting here facing the door. You know one of those situations? And every time the door opened, he would take his eyes off me and look to see who was coming in. You ever in that situation? You ever been that person? Shame on you. Shame on you. I, I was sitting there, and the effect it had on me was that in his eyes, there was more important people that he wanted to see and engage with than me in that 45-minute coffee that we had together. And he would frequently take his eyes off me and speak to the person coming in and, and ignore me. It's not great, so it's not. But it's the culture we live in. Because there's this attitude in, in culture today that, um, that if you have more money or if you have more followers on Instagram or if you have a job with more influence and more power, you're somehow perceived as more important. And we don't like to articulate that, but our response to people often reveals that. That's what was going on in Corinth. That's why Paul has written this section of the letter. 
This is the longest piece of Scripture about the Holy Spirit in any of Paul's writings. Chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. Paul devotes three chapters of his letter to it. And and the reason for it is the people in Corinth didn't need convinced about spiritual gifts. They didn't need convinced that the Holy Spirit gave them gifts. They they knew that. They practiced them frequently. The the problem they had was they recognized or they, they thought that that people with more overtly supernatural gifts were more important. And what was going on in Corinth was that those people who could speak in tongues were seen as uber-Christians, and the rest were kind of down here. And Paul's going, guys, that is rubbish. That is rubbish. That's simply not the case. But it's fascinating to me that the church today continues to make the same mistake. The church today continues to make the same mistake. Because if you ask anybody in our church, they they, they would maybe ask them the wrong word, but if you watch their response to certain gifts being practiced, the gift of healing comes across as more impressive than the gift of encouragement. The gift of miracles gets more credence than the gift of hospitality. And, And the gift of tongues, well, wow. But the gift of generosity? And yet Paul writes to the church in Corinth, maybe he needs to write to us as well and say there's no spiritual celebrities. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to all of God's people for the common good. For the common good. In fact, when you look at this this whole discourse of Scripture, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, you read it together. Guys, I'm really sorry. Ladies, chapter 13 is not actually about weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. It's nothing to do with weddings. And yet most brides, if I asked you to put your hands up, would say, yeah, I had that at my wedding. It's not about weddings. It's a lovely piece of Scripture, but that's not what it's about. When you look at these three chapters together, what you see in chapter 12, Paul lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of chapter 12, he says, there is one body, one church with many parts. This is how the gifts function. Not one is more important than another. And then he goes on to say, but guys, love is paramount. He says, so what if you can speak in the tongues of angels if you don't love your nothing? So what if you have faith to do miracles, to move mountains out of the way if you don't love your nothing? So what if your generosity and your charity work is, is off the chart if you don't love your nothing? And then he goes on into chapter 14 and, and he says, this is what it looks like to practice these spiritual gifts in a church today. And he talks about tongues and he talks about prophecy because that was what was relevant to their context and the arguments that they were having. Got to read this together, guys. Got to read this together. Let me talk about some of these gifts for a few minutes. So there's this extensive list of about nine gifts here listed. All commentators... All commentators agree that this is not an exhaustive list. This is an illustrative list. And there are other places in the Bible, in Ephesians and in Romans and in um, somewhere else, First Peter, that lists more spiritual gifts. But I want to talk about some of the ones that we see in front of us tonight. 
And I'm going to rattle through these. The, the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom, what commentators tell us is meant by that, is the wisdom to see that Christ crucified is fundamentally relevant and important to your life. There is no higher form of wisdom than recognizing your need for a Savior. And I would argue that if you are a Christ follower tonight, if you're a Christian tonight, then you have received the gift of wisdom because the Holy Spirit has given you the insight to see your need for a Savior. The gift of knowledge, that's different than the gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge is the Holy Spirit supernaturally imparting to you a piece of factual information about another person or about another circumstance. This is often used in evangelism. Let me give you an example of this, not from, from a contemporary life, but from Jesus' life. In John chapter 4, we see this cracking story of Jesus and the woman at the well. You know the story? Yeah? Okay, cool. Uh, if you don't read it, if you do, go away and read it. It's, it's a beautiful story. But Jesus is with this lady at the well. They're talking. And in the process of the conversation, Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In actual fact, you've had four husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband. And you think to yourself, well, how did he know that? And you think, well, he's Jesus. Of course he knew that. Except that, yes, Jesus is fully God and fully human. And he doesn't ever cease to be fully God and fully human. But we are told in Scripture that when he stepped into a human body, he set aside his power as God. And we're told, he says himself, I can only do what I see my Father doing. And I want to suggest to you that what happens in that moment is Jesus didn't know that fact about that lady because he was God. He knew that fact about that lady because the Holy Spirit had revealed it to him in that moment. And that fact actually led to her salvation and her coming to faith. And what Jesus was doing was demonstrating what it is to move in the power of the Holy Spirit in his humanity in that moment. A model that he invites you and I to step into. Let me share another story on that. Because it's hard to get our heads around this stuff. Um, about a year ago, when I was working in Balamoni, before I came to Orangefield, a lady in our church came to me and she said, Gareth, I had a dream. I'm always quite suspicious when ladies come to me and say they had a dream. You don't know where it's going to go. Um, but she came up to me, I had a dream. I'm going, okay, let's hear it. She said, I, I had a dream that you were standing in front of a church that had a cafe, and you were working and serving there. Now, she assumed that meant that we were going to build a cafe at the front of the church in Balamoni. And probably I assumed that as well. And yet a year later, where am I? Serving and ministering in a church that the first thing people see when they walk into our buildings is a cafe that's there to serve the community. And when I got the call to Orangefield and I was trying to process all this in my head, she came running up to me. I had totally forgotten the story. And she said, Gareth, Gareth, did you remember the dream I had? And I'm going, no. 
And she said, I, I, I dreamt that you were going to be working in a church that, that had a cafe at the front. And it wasn't Balamoni, it was Orangefield. God had spoke. And she was so excited that God had spoken to her a year ago about something that was going to happen. That word of knowledge imparted to her. I, I was so excited because it was an affirmation of the call that God had on my life. Let me keep going. Spiritual gift of faith. Faith is, is not just the faith that we have as believers. It's, it's supernatural faith that can move mountains. That looks at impossibilities and sees possibilities. That, that, that doesn't process reality with the deep cynicism and skepticism that our culture sees, but processes reality with the deep optimism that we find in a God who can do anything. The gift of faith. The gift of healings. We see it in Jesus' ministry. We see it in the ministry of the apostles. Not long after I arrived here, we, we had a lady come forward. She had a pain in her right leg, and she was prayed for, and she was healed, and she hasn't had that pain since. The gift of healing. Let me clarify on that one. Anybody can pray for healing. The gift of healing just is, to put it crudely, you get more answers. We'll unpack that another night. So we will. Prophecy, tongues, there's other things on the list. Let me say about tongues. Um, we, we see tongues in two ways in the Bible. We see it in Acts chapter 2, where it's different languages that are given for communicating the gospel. But we see it in other places as well. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about speaking in the tongues of angels. It's a, a different way to worship and to praise God, where your mind doesn't fully understand what is happening, but you're your soul is edified in that act of praying in tongues. All these different gifts, other gifts, hospitality, generosity, administration, apostleship, evangelism, pastoring, teaching, and the lists go on and on and on and on. Make a note, go and read them on the screen. Here's the thing, guys. I look around this church and I do it with my eyes closed. That sounds strange to say, doesn't it? But I look around this church and I see the gift of healing. And I see the gift of prophecy. And I see the gift of tongues. And I see the gift of generosity. I see the gift of, of radical faith. I see all of these spiritual gifts. Not necessarily because I see them manifest amongst us, happening amongst us. I, I, I see them in my spirit because God's Word says that He will give these gifts to the body of Christ for the common good of building up the church. And if our church is going to grow and become the bride that Jesus wants it to be, these gifts will be evident amongst us as we grow in our faithfulness, in our service of Him. Let me share one story, and then we're going to bring this to a conclusion and invite the band back up. Lily, are sorry for bookending this with my kids. I, I apologize. You know, 
Uh, I heard Nicky Gumbel speak once, and he said, you know, I'm not going to, um, is it bore you? No, make you endure a sermon about my children. I'm afraid, I think I've done that tonight. I apologize. Um, Lily, our youngest, who is just turning six this week, um, about a year ago took this notion she wanted her stabilizers off her bike. And that's a kind of for a parent, for a dad, it's a very proud moment and also a very anxious moment. You know, took the stabilizers off, yes, but had the temptation to totally wrap her literally in bubble wrap, you know, on her first time out there. Took the stabilizers off, got her the helmet, got her down the park, got her squared up, holding on to, you know, that thing you do with your back breaks, holding like this here. If you've done this, you know what I mean, yeah? And, and running up and down the park in Balamoni, teaching her to ride her bike. Uh, without stabilizers. I'm her dad. I, I'd given her a helmet. I'd given her a bike. I'd taken the stabilizers off. I'd given her a safe space on grass where she wasn't going to hurt herself. I'd given her everything she needs. More than that, I, I was with her. My, my hand was on her. She couldn't see me because I was behind her, but there was no part where my hand wasn't on her. But she had to do it. She had to take her feet off the ground. She had to take the risk. She had to push the pedal down. And it didn't matter how much I was there with her and how much I was giving her to enable her to do it until she took that step or that turn of the pedal. Until she took that risk, it was never going to happen. And I think these spiritual gifts are a bit like that. Whereas a church... God gives us everything we need. And his presence is here with us. He promises that. Where two or three gather in my name, I'll be there. We claim that in Jesus' name. Sometimes you have to step out. At what point did Peter know he could walk on water? When Jesus told him to or when he stepped out of the boat that first time? At what point did he know that his prayer for healing would lead to a yes answer? When he saw Jesus do it? Or when he laid his hand on somebody for the first time? And he must have been terrified. He must have been terrified. Let's pray for a second. And I'm really conscious that uh, teaching like this can, can leave some people feeling, well, that's never happened to me. And tonight as we move into our closing uh, praise, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. If you're not sure what your spiritual gift is. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, I want to invite you to step out in faith and to come to the front either during the last song or after the service ends. And there'll be people here just very simply to pray with you and to ask God to show you what your gifting is. And for some of you who have a sense of what your gift might be, but have never had the courage to, to use it, I want to invite you to come forward 
and speak it out loud and have someone pray with you. Father, you are so good. And your desire for us is not for us to to linger in a place of unworthiness, but to understand our identity as your children. Called and forgiven and adopted into your family, given your name, given your authority, and equipped to partner with you to see your church flourish, Lord. I thank you, God, that your heart is that everyone gets to play in this. No one is left out in the cold. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to your people and reveal what you have specifically for individuals tonight. I want to invite Suzanne to come as well. Suzanne's part of the prayer ministry team, and as she was praying, totally independent of me before the service, a couple of things just had come to her. And just, if you want to share those. Sure. Um, Derek had shared earlier about uh, shipwreck, and I felt entirely separately to, to him having said that. That was a word on my heart as well, but um, along with that was um, just the words uh, punctured in the deep, um, and very sort of, yeah, I don't want to sort of over-explain it, but punctured in the deep um, was how I sort of, I saw the, the shipwreck. Um, and I also felt um, just some heat in my shoulder, in my left shoulder, um, there just as we were praising earlier. So um, I wanted to share that, if that's something that, is meaningful to you again there's there's prayer ministry and do come forward um and then just also uh the name lauren just uh came there during the talk and if again if that's something that means something to you tonight um do come and share and we'll pray with you okay we're going to sing and if anybody wants to come for prayer either during this song or at the end of the service please do